Let me, uh, let me pray for us, and then we are going to jump in with week 12 on the church. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this morning you've given us. We thank you for those that uh, are gathering uh, with us this morning. We do pray for our time. We pray that it would uh, honor you. We pray that we would uh, think well about your church, that we would think well about parenting in the context of the local church, and Father, that you'd be glorified in all that we say and do this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. So... This week, as we um, move into Lesson 12, uh, we're going to spend some time thinking about the role of the church as it relates to parenting. So the church is not simply a place families take their children on Sundays, but it should be, this is our argument, the context of community where parenting is primarily located. So the church is the local body of Christ that we pray that our children will join, that they will be a part of, that they will become members of as Christians, as new believers. It should be the primary location where their sanctification will happen over the course of their life and so much more as we'll learn throughout our time. So in July of 2003, my family relocated to Fayetteville to work here at University Baptist Church. Uh, and we were super excited to be back in a town that we had, uh, we had come to love in our college years and a church that we had come to love in our college years. And we were excited to come here and work with college students at that time, a, a population we were passionate about reaching and equipping and seeing sent out. And we moved six weeks after our oldest son was born, which, as you can imagine, in our families made us public enemy number one and two, um, because we had the first grandchild and we took them, uh, you know, a solid three hours away from home, uh, which we might as well have moved to China as far as our parents were concerned. Um, so anyway, so we moved here six weeks after old was born, and now almost 19 years on staff, uh, we have had a, we've added two more children to that, to that family, and by God's grace, our kids have known their whole lives uh, here at this church. And in addition to that, by God's grace, uh, our oldest son, um, is a, he's a member of this church, our middle son is a member of this church, and our daughter will, Lord willing, be baptized next Sunday and join this church. All of that not... Uh, to say anything other than part of what I love thinking about parenting in the context of the local church is the role that you, the church members, play in the lives of our family and the lives of other families who are raising their children here in the context of the local church. And so last Sunday, if you, if you were here and you looked out across the front of the, uh, of the main hall when we did that graduation service, there were a lot of high school seniors well, many of those kids, most of those kids have grown up in this church just like my children have. And so to see the fruit of uh, another milestone achieved in the context of community in this church has been so encouraging. And not only that, many of those kids that were lined up across the front last Sunday are also members of this church. So it's been super encouraging to think about the ways in which from the nursery workers that have uh, prayed for our kids, that have cared for our kids, have instructed our kids, to the senior adults that have invested in our families, to those that uh, of us as members who have upheld sound doctrine in this church, to those that have encouraged and supported us along the way as parents. One, I want to say thank you, but two, I want to prayerfully give you uh, the reason why this conversation and why we're having a conversation about the church as it relates to parenting this morning. 
So I hope to both encourage and challenge us during our time that being the church and raising our children to be the church is much more challenging than simply attending the church. It's both more challenging and more rewarding. So this morning, I want to take an approach to this lesson that will remind us of some of the many benefits of church membership and being committed to the body of Christ in the ways in which we understand the Bible to commend us to do so. So you'll see in your handout, we're going to work through a number of points, and uh, throughout the time, the application is going to be some for you and some for them, right? So some for you as parents and some for them as children who are being raised in the local church. I wish that I'd had an opportunity to find it this week, but I actually have a, a picture from one time Tamara and I were working in the second hour in, in children's ministry, and I had the great idea as a college uh, pastor at that time to rather than put the toys on the shelves, we emptied the shelves and we put all the kids on the shelf. Those are the kids that graduated. Uh, they'll graduate this week. So I have pictures of like Josiah McCollum and Bo Tartaglia and Jack Martin and some other kids that aren't here anymore, but they are all in those little cubbies that are, you know, they're like eight of them and they're all in those cubbies. So when their parents came, they found their kids in a cubby. Uh, and I have that picture somewhere in my office. Uh, with that, let's turn then to uh, this first point, word-centered instruction. So to equip the saints. So I've sought throughout the outline to give uh, a, a major heading, and then uh, a portion of that scripture that I want us to focus our time on. So the church is not a social gathering or a club. It's a people of God gathering around the word of God for the purpose of glorifying God and encouraging one another to do the same. So I want us to talk then about benefits for you, and then we'll talk about benefits for our children. Some will overlap and some will be unique. So in Ephesians, the Apostle Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus, and in this section of the letter, he's giving instructions or reminders about unity in the body of Christ. So turn with me, Ephesians chapter 4, and I'm going to read for us Ephesians chapter 4, 1 through 16, and it reads like this. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to, your, that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also descended to the lower regions of the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles and the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So I want us to focus on a few benefits of this passage 
for us as parents and as members of the church, particularly that section 11 through 17. So I'll just read that briefly again. And he gave the apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. So we'll stop there for a minute. So pastors are, we, we just read that, that they're teachers and and, and um, shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So pastors are a gift given by God to his people to do what, right? It says in verse 12, to equip the saints for works of ministry for the purpose of building up the body of Christ to maturity, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, verse 13, so that we may grow from children into doctrinally sound adults, and in so doing, we may speak the truth in love and grow into him who is the head. That is Christ, verse 15. So when we gather each Lord's day and submit ourselves under the preaching and teaching of the word, and I make that distinction because that's what we're doing now, right? This is the teaching of the word, and soon we'll gather for the preaching of the word. So we've gathered the preaching and teaching of the word uh, through his spirit, uh, he is reminding us and molding us and making us more like his son, Christ, right? We are growing into maturity. That's why when you gather with uh, UBC on Sundays in the 1030 service, the, the aim is that we will we'll hear the word, right? It'll be, it'll be proclaimed verbally to you, that we will hear the word, that we'll sing the word as God's word calls us to do, that we'll read the word. So every week there's a scripture reading that will pray the word. There are multiple opportunities uh, for prayer, both um, private and uh, public prayer in the service. And uh, on Sundays like last Sunday, this Sunday, and next Sunday, by God's grace, you will see the word. So you'll see it in the, uh, in the, in the uh, sacraments, in the ordinances, right? Lord's Supper and baptism. So you'll see the word. And I can't describe to you what an awesome and amazing blessing it's been for my children to have been raised in this church week in and week out and have been exposed to faithful Bible teaching and preaching from their uh, young days on children desiring God all the way now up through um, the equipping classes they're getting and the preaching that they're sitting under week in and week out. So those are benefits for us, right? We, we gather to be equipped um, as the saints to grow into maturity, to speak the truth in love, to grow up into him who is the head. And then for our children, as we pray for the Lord to give our children new life, uh, don't underestimate the power of the word preached each week by faithful elders who will give uh, the word to the church as good gifts to the church. So it's not a guarantee, right? It's not a guarantee that because our kids attend this church that they will... Uh, that they will walk by faith, right? That's not a guarantee. So earlier when I'm just talking about my kids, I recognize that is the gracious work of God to bring about new life in them. I also recognize that it has certainly been much easier for us talking about the word, to be instructed in the word, to gather around the word as a result of having covenanted with this group, with you all as the members of UBC over these 19 years. So think about this. Every week, your children hear a clear exposition of a text of the Bible that always includes a presentation of the gospel. Every week in the preaching of the word, your children are sitting under the preaching of the exposition, the explanation 
of the word where the meaning of the text is the point, uh, the main point of the sermon, and then that is being explained to us and then applied to us. And within that, there's always a gospel connection that will tell each person in the main hall how they can move from death to life. That's happening every week. And that's one of the things that, I, that you may or may not know as we gather and we talk about uh, how the Sunday went um, as a staff. One of the things we uh, we always think through is the ways in which the gospel was proclaimed. Uh, was it clear? Did we get all that was necessary for one to move from death to life? Were we, uh, were we clear in what the application was in that call to the unbeliever? Were we clear in reminding ourselves as the faithful Christians of what God has done in giving us new life through the explanation and proclamation of the gospel. So for your kids, each week they're getting that as an additional benefit to the other things we talked about. Hearing the word, seeing the word, praying the word, singing the word. They hear what true conversion entails and have the opportunity to hear baptismal testimonies of those that have been saved. They see fellowship that, the Christ, that Christians have around the Lord's Supper as we each week gather faithfully in hopes of being made more in the image and likeness of Christ and awaiting our heavenly home with Christ. They too get to see your life lived out under the preached word in ways that you're being conformed into the image and likeness of Christ. So they're seeing the ways in which you are dying to sin and living to life, that you're living to, to faithful obedience in Christ. So if in the Lord's grace, he does in fact save our children while they're in the care of your home, then they have a natural discipling program already built in in the church, a church that's committed to the centrality of the word of God. This, again, a small aside, but this is why for me, one of the things that's been really helpful in thinking about just the nature of uh, something we'll talk about in a minute, that, 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 that the church being the hub of our community, is it's interesting thinking how often many of us, uh, and maybe I'll just do a quick straw poll, if you graduated from high school or college or, or wherever you stopped your education and you moved somewhere, for how many of you was the church in the town you were going to a deciding factor? So a couple of you. I'll say for most of us, so by comparison, how many of the church was, oh, I'm sure I'll find something in that, in that town, right? That's most of us, right? And yet, if we're thinking about what our responsibility is as individual Christians, as members of the church, as parents to raise godly children, how much more so does the church have an instrumental role in playing in the formation of us as parents and of our children as growing up in a godly church and, and the reality of the church being integral to what we're doing in our life, right? And so it's been... It has been a, a, a shift for me to start thinking in ways of how much the local church really does matter. And so even giving counsel to, uh, to families that are, you know, they're, they're thinking about a job change. Well, what church do we know in that area that would be a good fit uh, that your soul can be cared for? And if there's not one, uh, then let's talk through what are the implications and is this a wise move? Um, so just that's a little bit of an aside, but I bring that up in part because I want us to begin seeing how central uh, the church is in the life of the believer and also in the context of our conversation as 
as parents. So let's then turn over to word-centered discipling. I kind of teased that out at the end of our last point. So word-centered discipling, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Titus chapter 2, verses 1 to 15. So the church, the body of Christ, is its own discipling plan. It's its own discipling program. And when we live lives in the context of community with one another, with the desire to do spiritual good for one another, then we are, in fact, discipling one another. But we must not, we we have to be careful to not confuse hanging out with discipling. Now, is there a sense in which spending time together and hanging out can be discipling? Sure. But I can also hang out and and not, spiritual good isn't my intent uh, when I'm hanging out with you, and therefore it would it would struggle to, to meet a discipling criteria, right? So discipling has the spiritual good of another in mind. It has my bringing the word to bear on one another's or on, a, on my brother and sister's life. It has me asking about your, your marriage, your finances, your relationship with your kids, with how you're doing in, uh, in walking faithfully in your workplace. And it has you doing the same for me. How are, how's time in the word been this week? Uh, those types of things. And how, how did you find the sermon yesterday? How was your life group last night? What's one thing you're going to, to do this week as a result of what you heard preached in the sermon uh, Sunday? What's one thing the Lord is showing you from his word that's been convicting or encouraging to you this week? Like that's, that's the, the point that we're trying to make when we talk about discipling. It certainly can be, hey, let's get together and let's read the Disciple Making Parent book together. Let's get together and read uh, the, the book Parenting together. It could be, hey, let's study God's word together. Uh, there are many things that it can be, but one thing that is essential to discipling, being discipling, is the point of it being the spiritual good of another brother or sister in Christ. Okay, specifically, I want us to focus in on Titus 2, verses 11 to 15. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness, to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for doing good works. Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. So the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation. Verse 11, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age, in in the time in which we presently live waiting with a blessed, for our blessed hope, that is the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession and zealous to do good works. In other words, when we gather together and we're doing discipling to one another, this ought to be in our mind's eye, right? That we're, we're doing spiritual good in such a way that we're reminding one another of what's happening right now in this present age that we're being pressed in on all sides by the culture and by our own temptations and by the the sin that that resides in us, and we're being pressed in on all sides, and yet we've been called out of death to live lives of light, 
right? To live life set apart for the glory of God and the good of one another. And so we do have a blessed hope. That is the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he will come and take us to be with him forever. And not only that, that we can, from one degree to another, be walking in greater uh, sanctification, greater holiness right now, right? And not, not only that, but he's purifying us. He's purifying a people for himself uh, who are his possession that are eager to do good works, to demonstrate, to live out, to care for, to bear one another's burdens, to walk alongside, to share in the joys and sorrows of this life one to another. And as parents, how are we doing that together, right? So it's, it's encouraging even as you think about the landscape of who's attending this class. We have folks that are uh, married. We have folks that are not married. We have folks that have children in the home, and we have ch- uh, folks that have no children in the home. And so part of what we are going to talk about in just a minute in the context of, uh, of community and our third point is the ways in which what's happening even in this class is a sweet representative of the benefits of the body of Christ gathering together. So for you, This is what we do as members of University Baptist Church. We remind one another of these things and we help each other seek to live lives that Christ died for and set us apart to live. In other words, we remind one another, be careful pursuing this thing or let me encourage you to pursue this thing because we don't want to make light of the bloodshed of our Savior Jesus Christ. We don't want to abuse the grace with which we've been saved. We don't want to, we don't want to further walk in, in the wickedness of this present age. We want to walk in the holiness for which God has ransomed us through uh, his, the shed blood of his own son, right? We want to do that faithfully. We want to do that honestly. We want to do that uh, consistently, daily. So that's what we're doing together. And, and again, also just a reminder that Christianity is not meant to be lived in isolation or in casual connection. So we need one another to point each other to Christ and to help us hold tight to God's word. So neither in isolation nor in casual connection. What I mean by that is, you know, I think if, if you're a member of UBC, then we talk often about the ways in which that it is not an individual sport, right? There are no Christian uh, sort of lone rangers, that, that we're meant to be gathered in community with one another. We're meant to covenant together as the body of Christ. So that would be the not in isolation. And then not in casual connection means that you are going to, and I am going to make an effort to get to know those for which I am covenanting in membership with. In other words, you're not gonna come in at 1040 and leave at 1150 so that you can avoid the crowd coming in and avoid the fellowship afterward but we're going to work towards getting to know more of our members and we're going to get to we're going to work at being known by more of our members for the purpose of recognizing that God has given us a great gift in the gospel and in his word and we have both a joy and a responsibility to bring that to bear on one another's lives to help to help one another so we are as members of this church a diverse group of individuals all joined together as brothers and sisters in Christ, all ages, different upbringings, different careers, different passions and hobbies, yet all one in Christ. And I think we have to keep reminding each other that we need one another and we need the wisdom and experience of older saints 
as much as we need the energy and the zeal of our younger saints. What about for our kids? Well, while your kids are young, let me encourage you again to lean into this responsibility to teach them about God, to talk to them about God and what he's done in your life. Talk about him as creator and savior. And as we learned even over these last couple of weeks, as we were talking particularly about discipline, um, talk to, to your children about how God is the one who has set the standards, who loves both justice and mercy, but will not share his glory with another. Don't shrink back in helping your kids see their sin as an offense not only against you, but against a holy and mighty God. And as you're meeting with others within the body, share with your kids about what a joy it is to have those types of God-honoring relationships. And when they get into the youth uh, and you're comfortable with them meeting with another member, um, encourage that. We can, I think we could probably agree and maybe disagree that there are certain things that kids just, they're, they're less likely to tell their parents. It's not that they're, in, I don't think they're intentionally seeking to deceive all of the time as much as they're thinking, okay, I, I mean, I've had our kids tell us like, well, you have to tell me that you're my dad, right? So it, both in encouraging things and in difficult things. So, you know, let's say one of the kids did well at, at a sports event. And I'm like, man, you did a great job with this event. Well, thanks. But it wasn't the time they wanted, nor did they place where they wanted. But, and then they think, well, you have to tell me that. You're my dad. Um, and I was like, no, I actually thought you did a great job in that event. Um, and I am your dad. Um, and so, and I probably do have to say, no, I'm kidding that. Uh, but really, that, but there is a sweetness to that. There's also the reality on the spiritual side where when, when my kids gather with other saints of UBC and they're being encouraged or invested or challenged in, there are things that my kids are going to share with other saints that they are less likely to share with me, not in deception, just in comfort. But I will tell you this, I've told more than uh, two or three guys who have sought and said, hey, I'd like to meet with Cooper, I'd like to meet with Jack, is I've met with those guys and I've just told those guys, guys, I, I have yet to meet a dad who wishes he had spent less time with his kids. When, when all was said and done and the kids moved out and they had their own family, their own life, I've yet to meet the dad that says, man, I wish I had spent less time with my kids. So if you're going to spend time with my kids, don't waste it because I'm not giving up those times easily or excitedly even, though I understand the benefit. I just don't, my, my kids don't need another buddy. Like they need somebody who's going to invest spiritually in them in addition to me. Somebody who's going to come alongside and say, hey, you know, the way you're being instructed in the word, in home and in church and through this relationship, there's consistency there. So if you're gonna, if you're gonna reach out and you wanna spend time with my kids, I'm, I am for that because I believe in the centrality of the word and the gift of, of the church, but don't waste that time. Don't waste that time. Again, uh, should the Lord grant salvation to your children, help them see the need to formulate these types of discipling relationships and to seek them out as well. Help them see that it's as easy as asking another saint to get together and read the Bible. And if they struggle or lack confidence to do the asking, help them through it. Don't do it for them, help them through it. Man, dad, I, I, I know I need to be discipled. And I really would like to, I would really like to ask uh, Ryan Boudreau to do it, but I am terrified. I don't know him that well. Um, I just, I don't think I can do it. Well, just, hey, let's, let's practice. 
hey, Mr. Ryan, uh, would you be willing to get together and read the Bible with me? Um, sure, Stephen, I'd be happy to. That wasn't very hard, right? But I understand for some people it's terrifying. I get it. And, you know, I'll tell you what I tell every member candidate who sits in my office is I do think it's, it is our individual responsibility to seek out those discipling relationships. However, if you struggle to find them or like you say, let's say I go to Ryan and I ask him and Ryan says, Stephen, I'd love to meet with you, but I just, I'm already meeting with three other guys. And I, I just don't think of the bandwidth, bandwidth, but let me pray for you because I, I trust that there are other brothers who would love to meet with you is I may be discouraged, but I'm also going to be encouraged that, that Ryan would love to meet with me if he had more time. Then I tell people, come back to me and say, hey, I've tried Ryan, I've tried Stephen, I've tried John, I've tried Guy, uh, and all those guys are meeting with other people. Great, let me help you find somebody that would be, uh, that would be more than happy to, to get together and read the Bible with you. Help your kids see that as a healthy expectation of what it means to disciple one another. Um, yeah, last thing I'll say on this is that I'm more excited when my kids' role models are you the members of our church than they are someone that they'll likely never meet or know very little about. So I'm regularly um, holding up the members of our church, not on, on pedestals, but I'm, I am pointing to things that are worth emulating spiritually in your lives to my kids. Because I want my kids to say, you know what, that's, that's what a normal like Christian father looks like. That's what a normal uh, Christian college student looks like. And if I'm thinking about my life three, five, 10, 20 years down the road, um, then that's what I want my kids' lives to look like. Uh, and so I'm regularly just in observation and conversation with you all. Uh, I'm, I'm telling my kids, man, here's, man, you guys want to know who I want to be like? I want to be like this brother. And I'll just tell them your, I'll tell them your names. Um, or, hey, you know, as you're thinking about um, this discipling, like, I mean, you ought to consider so-and-so. Like, had this conversation or I heard about this conversation uh, and I was so encouraged. So hold up the members of your church as your kids' role models and those that they both want to emulate and those from which they can learn, uh, they can learn from. Let's stop there for just a minute and just see if you have any questions about those first two points, questions or comments about those first two points. All right, not seeing any. I'm going to move on because we are a little behind time this morning. Point number three, word-centered community. Um, my brother and sister and my mother. So you all remember in, uh, in, the, in Matthew's gospel um, where Jesus uh, has this very interesting interaction uh, in verse uh, 46 through 50. So Jesus' mom and brothers and sisters come and they're they're. They're con honestly, they're concerned that Jesus is nuts, right? And so they're saying, hey, we got to get him out of there. And Jesus has this very interesting interaction. Verse 6, he says, while he was speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told them, who is my mother, my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hands toward his disciples. So you get that imagery, right? So his parents are, his mom is in the back, his brothers are in the back. And you all, the members, are, are his disciples. You're up front. And he stretches out his hands and he says, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. So remember the words of Jesus here. 
that his brother and his mother and his, his sisters are those who do the will of God. In other words, they've ordered their life around obedience to Christ. They've ordered their life around obedience to God in his word. That means that your spiritual, spiritual heritage is of greater significance, of eternal significance over and above your family of origin. For us, that's wonderful news. And it's not that our families of origin are unimportant or are to be neglected. The Bible has plenty to say about that. It is to say that the family that we've been adopted into has a perfect father and an eternal home that he's keeping for us and that no one can take away. So when we gather together, this is but a glimpse of what our eternity will look like as we gather around the throne of God forever as a family, right? This is great news that we have brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers who we can walk with and who can walk with us in this life while we await the life to come. Brothers and sisters to help us know how to parent, how to be married, how to discipline our children, how to honor the Lord with our words and with our actions every day. And remember, we're seeking a gospel-revealing community that highlights that it is because of our union with Christ one to another that we would otherwise not naturally spend time together or long to be together. In other words, if you take Jesus out of the equation this morning in this room, then we all have different interests. We all have different hobbies. We all are at different stages of life. And we wouldn't otherwise gather together. But because Christ Jesus is the most important thing about all of our lives, it is our joy to gather together from the diversities of our backgrounds, from the diversity of our passions, from the diversity of our interests, and say, you know what? Christ is what is the reason for which we gather and why we have these um, these brother and sister, these familiar relationships within the church. And so we're prioritizing the word of God and the people of God because that's what's most important to us. So that ought never to be one of those things that we look at and go, well, if it weren't for the gospel, then I wouldn't, I wouldn't care about you guys. I don't think that's what I'm saying. I'm saying because of the gospel, we have so much more to care about for one another, right? So we have so much more in common because of the gospel, so this is just a, a, an encouragement. This is why we ought to open our homes to hospitality, right? From those within the church and those from outside the church with those from within the church. And I'll get to that in just a minute. This is why we need more life group host homes and more life group leaders because more of the family, you and I, more of the family needs to open God's word and share meals together regularly for the purpose of walking in obedience to God's preached word. This is why we need more life group leaders and host homes. The church and its members of the church should increasingly be the hub of your, of your friendships. This was a shift for me even in the last five years where I, I said to somebody that I'm very close with in ways I meant to be an encouragement, I just said, hey, I, I think in this next season, Tamara and I are really going to try to prioritize our time outside of work with the members of our church. Well, this brother that I'm very close with is not a member of our church. And what he heard was, hey, I don't have time for you anymore. Um, I'm moving on to, to greener pastures. And, I, and really, in some ways, I've, I've spent multiple years saying to him, again, that's not, that's not what I intended. 
I was simply saying like, these, these are my brothers and sisters. And therefore, I, I have to give time to the family. I want to give time to the family. And this brother is a Christian, and therefore, he will always get my time too. We have history. We have similar you know, stages of life, kids and the rest. Um, but it may be helpful for you just as a husband and wife today or an engaged couple or a dating couple. Like When you look and assess your friendships, are more of them inside the church or outside the church? And do you think that's healthy? And if so, Maybe why do you think it's healthy? And if you think it's not healthy, maybe why do you think it's not as healthy as it could be? But I'm going to encourage you this way. So if the church is the hub of your friendships, then you have already those natural discipling opportunities. You have those uh, maybe less natural but available evangelism opportunities. Hey, invite another couple over and your unbelieving neighbor, right? And, and do hospitality with that neighbor. Um, you've been praying for them. You've been having conversations with them in the yard. You've had them over before. Uh, and now you invite somebody else into that to, hey, this is, these are our friends, you know, so-and-so, right? And uh, have a conversation, not ambush, not bait and switch, just simply introducing them to more people who have a shared understanding of the gospel, okay? Uh, practically speaking, this is where, because of shared values as Christians and members of the same church, uh, young parents in particular can lean into opportunities to share things like childcare. They can uh, do things like, hey, let's, these two couples get together and uh, Tuesday night's gonna be your date night and Thursday night's gonna be our date night uh, and we'll watch your kids on Tuesday nights and you can watch our kids on Thursday night. Like that's just a practical blessing. Well, why is that helpful? Because you're, you're, you're covenanting together in the membership of this church. You have a shared understanding of the gospel. You have a shared understanding of parenting. You have a shared understanding of, of, of the, even a statement of faith in the covenant. And this is a way in which you're, you're, you're choosing to invest in the lives of your brother and sister's marriage by giving them time and they, you, to spend together, to process, to, to download, to, to, uh, to, to seek rest. Not only that, uh, shared encouragement. So um, we... Our family is a, a, little, uh, a little unique in that we have literally moved with one, of, one couple uh, there, who are some of our closest friends. We have moved with them, um, I think, four times over f- almost 20 years. So we literally have bought and sold houses next to one another for the last 20 years and had conversations like, hey, let's move to the west side of town. Okay, you sell your house, I'll sell mine. Hey, let's build new houses. Okay, let's do that. Well, why do we do that? Because we value shared values. So for my wife and for our friends, when they were, our kids are very similar ages, when they were little, sometimes, uh, if you all know Tamara, she's, she's a taskmaster, man, she, she'll, she needs to be busy. And in those early parenting days, like she couldn't see any progress, right? All she knew was that no matter how much laundry she did, there was double coming out. No matter how many diapers she changed, there was fewer diapers, they were more expensive, and they were going away quicker, right? So it was very difficult in those early days. And one of the things that was a huge blessing was being able to walk two doors down to our neighbor's house to be able to say, hey, I just, I need you to help me see what I, what I can't see, right? I, I need just, I need to, I want to encourage you, I need you to encourage me, I need to pray for me, pray for you. So I know everybody can't do that, but I think more of us could do that uh, if, we, if we thought creatively about it. Maybe it's a little, I recognize it's a little weird, so I'm happy to talk to you about that. Uh, and what I mean by that is we, we call it Pleasantville, our neighborhood. Uh, so we used to live in Stonebridge Meadows. That was Pleasantville. Now we're at Pleasantville West on the west side of town. But we also took one of our, our single, uh, single friends, and we just said, hey, Jenny, we're moving to the west side of town. 
you should come with us. And she said, okay. And she sold her house and she moved with us. So we've done it for almost 20 years. And it's been, it was intentional. It has been intentional. Uh, it's been a wonderful blessing. I also think the Lord can open doors for you to know your neighbors in the same way without making them sell their house and move next door to you, right? You can just meet your neighbors. I get that. And we've tried to do that as well. All right, so for, for, how about for our kids? So your kids see how important it is when, uh, when you share the most important things in common with other believers, Christ Jesus himself. Use your home for hospitality. Include them in the ministry you're doing as a result of using your home. So include them in age-appropriate ways. Help, have them help you set the table. Have them help you prepare the meal. Have them help you pray over the time that you're going to have with that family that's going to be in your home. In addition, uh, you can also, uh, one of the things we've done as our kids got older is we just prepped them and said, hey, we're having so-and-so over. Uh, each one of you guys be ready to ask our guests a question that you're curious about. And so, you know, they've, they've come up with their questions and some of them are silly and some of them are serious, but it's been a fun way to in, engage our kids in hospitality. And if your children's relationships are centered on their friendships at the church, how much more so will they benefit from the like-mindedness of the benefits of being of one church. In other words, our kids, um, there, there have been seasons here at UBC when, when we've had kids that were the only, the only kid in their grade at the school that they attend that, from this church. So they, would, they have these great relationships here, and then they would go to school, and they would know nobody from their church. Well, they shared here uh, spiritual conversations, encouragement, prayer, uh, teaching, and then they went to the school that they attended, and it felt more isolation, more difficult, because we had, you know, we're pulling kids from, I don't know, 5, 10, 12 schools uh, because of, uh, you know, for various reasons as a church. But what was interesting is over time, and it's happened with each one of our kids, uh, as high school uh, progressed, uh, the two boys really found that their closest friendships were right here at the church regardless whether they attended school with those kids or not. Most of them didn't. And so that meant for them that when they were, and our kids do public school, when they were in public school, it was easy for them to see like, hey, this is what the world, this is, what the world is pursuing, and this is what the church is pursuing. And my friendships are grounded in the church. And so I don't, I, I, pray, for the, I pray for these friends at school, um, but I'm not interested in the things of the world that they're interested in. I am interested in them hearing about life with Christ. And so it, it was a, a mission field for them uh, and something that they could look at and say, yeah, I don't want that, or I don't want that. I want this. I want to walk with the Lord, and I want others to do the same. And that was because, uh, again, they've, they've been raised in this church, and they've, uh, I pray it's because they've seen um, community, gospel-revealing community happening in and through you and, you and me, as well as in and through their own friendships. All right, fourth, word-centered heritage, uh, Lois and Eunice. Uh, and, and really here, it shouldn't be overlooked that part of what the Apostle Paul is encouraging Timothy to fan into flame is a gift of the word ministry that was passed on to him through his mother and grandmother um, of who God is and what he's like. And for you, this is our call to pass on to the next generation the truthfulness of the gospel, to stir one another up by way of reminder, and to encourage one another to remember the gospel, to live the gospel, to sacrifice for the gospel, to hold fast to the return of Christ, and to keep our feet on firm footing 
the firm footing of sound doctrine. This is what Lois and Eunice did for Timothy. And for them, if the Lord should tarry and save our children, they too get to carry on the godly legacy of passing from one generation to the next the truths of the gospel, the glories of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They too get to tell their children, and by God's grace, their children's children. They get to to be reminded through your faithful ministry in the home, fanning into flame the gift of, of God in Christ Jesus. Then I want to look with the, uh, at the, f- the fifth point, word-centered hope. No longer servants, but friends. In John chapter 15, Jesus shares with the disciples something that has taken place in verses 12 to 17. He says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no, no one than this, that someone lays down their, his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. And at the end of the day, our only hope for this life in the life to come is that the Lord has regenerated our hearts, that he in his love and mercy and grace saves us from our sins and sets us apart for his glory by giving us his righteousness and taking our sin and shame, that this is the hope we have for our children And so we pray, and so we speak the gospel, and so we discipline our children, and so we trust the Lord. So for you, if you are in Christ, he calls you friend. And if he calls you friend, he will never call you enemy. That's part of what we get to celebrate when we have the Lord's Supper this morning, is that Christ Jesus has welcomed us as friends at his table by his grace, through his blood, for his glory. And because he calls you friends, he will never call you enemy again. And for our children, this is our prayer for them, that one day, whether young or later in life, Christ Jesus will declare our children his own, and he will grant them a new heart, replacing that hard heart of stone with a heart of flesh, and call them friend. Welcome, co-heirs, adopted as sons and daughters. Brothers and sisters, do not lose heart. Don't give up. Don't despair. The Lord is faithful, and we never know from one day to the next when he will choose to save our children. We do not know from one day to the next what the Lord will use, how the seeds that you planted, the Lord will water through other people. Rejoice. We do know, however, that faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. So be faithful to be a herald of the gospel of grace. Be faithful to pray and to trust the Lord. Be faithful to prioritize life in the local church. And be careful not to buy into all the noise around you about the time the world thinks your children 
uh, or about what the, the world thinks your children need or what they deserve or what they're entitled to. I'm sure every generation has felt the same, but n- again, it feels like there is more noise about us from the world about what our kids deserve, what they're entitled to, what will bring them happiness. Be careful. Hold fast to the word of God. Evaluate every opportunity as to whether or not this is going to promote their growth in Christ or whether this is going to give them an idol to prop up in place of the word of God. Give them Jesus and trust God for the details. Um, And remember that what Christ has secured for us in eternity, no one can take away. So briefly, I want to look, uh, actually, i tell you what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm gonna, I want to just hit a couple of these uh, practical suggestions, and then I want to give just two or three minutes for questions. So uh, letter A there, establish regular and faithful attendance of the corporate uh, gathering as synonymous with what it means to be a Martin. Okay, that's why I put that blank there. And teach your children why sitting under faithful preaching is essential and critical for them to know and love God. Letter B, sit together as a family in the worship gathering more than you don't. Um, Them seeing you engaged and participating will encourage them to do the same. And it's easier to give them a little reminder of paying attention when you're close to them, right? So make discussion around the word taught at the church a regular part of the family life. Guys, if if you're like me, Um, having grown up in a broken home, it's super easy for me to default to, well, this wasn't modeled for me. Therefore, I don't don't really know what to do here. Therefore, I'm not going to do anything. Um, But this isn't rocket science. Hey, tell me about what you learned this morning. Um, What passage did you study? What questions do you have? Hey, what was your favorite song you sung this morning? Why'd you like that song? What's that teach us about God? Uh, do, would you like to sing that song tonight when we read the Bible together? Like this, this really isn't rocket science, but we make it far more difficult than it is. Because at the end of the day, the reason I say it's not rocket science is because God's calling us to be faithful and to trust him for the details, right? God's calling us to be faithful to proclaim the gospel as parents to our children. And then to sit back and to trust that he's sovereignly in control of all things, the same as he is and was in your life. So when you look back at your own life and you consider the ways in which the Lord drew you to himself, most of us can't look back and go, oh, of course, that was very logical. That's why I became a Christian. No, I look at my life and I go, that's only God's grace. So lean into that as a parent. Apply that in your own life as a parent. All right, what questions do you have before we break? I'm going to take maybe just a couple or comments or questions before we break for the morning. Josh. Okay. Yep. So Josh is just noting that the new directories will be out today, and you've got a you have a link, uh, an electronic version of that. There's also a, a number of print copies this morning, and another great place as a parent to engage your kids in praying for other members of this church, pray for other kids of this church. So let me pray for us, and then yeah, guy.
Yeah. So guys, just noting the, the prioritization of the local church and building that as an, um, a healthy expectation for your kids throughout their life now and into their future. Um, and I'll tell you guys, like there've been seasons here where, um, it's been, it has been challenging for our kids in relationships. Uh, but as, uh, it's, it, I would say, and, and, and maybe Kevin can pick this up next week when he starts in, but the, the one thing I think we can, as I look back at the trajectory of UBC and all the ways in which UBC has changed over the years, the more, the, the more we've held up God's word as what's central to our gathering, the more our community has become tight-knit around that word. Um, and so when, when we're sort of unapologetically saying, hey, when we gather with our youth, uh, they're going to teach the word. And when we gather as a family, we're going to talk about the word. And when you come and you sing songs, the songs are going to be about the word. And when you hear the preaching, it's going to be from the word. Uh, then our kids actually learn an economy where they, it's normal to talk about the word. And they don't do it perfectly, and neither do I. But they've learned in relationships through being here over time that the reason I'm gathering with this group of people is because this is what we, this is what we gather around. Um, and the sweetness of the friendships that have been formulated over those years and the ways in which God has grown, um, even uh, the, the number of kids that are a part of things has been super encouraging as a parent. Last thing I'll say is uh, make it an increasing, stretch yourself when you think about using your own home and the lives of your kids as they age, uh, make it a place where uh, their friends are welcome, uh, that they're encouraged to be there, that you're happy to see them. Engage with them. Um, don't just open your door, but like enga engage with them in appropriate ways. Um, all right, let me, uh, let me pray for us, and then we are going to break. If you have any questions, happy to catch you um, after the service um, this morning. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for uh, the joy that it is to be the church, that, uh, that you remind us in your word that, uh, that the gates of hell will not prevail against your church. And so, God, we pray that as we now move to the, the gathering of the saints uh, around the word, where we read and pray and sing and, and listen and see the word, God, we pray that we would, that we would worship and listen and respond uh, as the redeemed people of God. And Lord, for the, any that are here that don't know you, Father, we pray that they would clearly hear the gospel. We pray that that would be true in our own kids' lives and in any of our visitors that come this morning. And Father, we pray that all that we say this morning and all that we do this week would bring glory to your name. Amen.